And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, coming to you around 5 o'clock on a Friday. And this is not your traditional news dump. Jay King, we have news. We have big news with the Boston Celtics trader Brad Stevens strikes again. He said, I don't care about your first-round draft picks. So he sent the 2023 pick, Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, bench celebration god Malik Fitz, and a few other guys to the Indiana Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon, who I think immediately becomes the most uh, overqualified sixth man in the league. I did not see this coming. I knew Brogdon was kind of on the market, but I didn't really see him going to the Celtics. I had spent a lot of time caping for Marcus Smart being uh, the only point guard the Celtics needed, but I'm quickly willing to retract that because I think it's a, a bold move from Brad who's ready to win now. Jay, what was your reaction to the news? I was surprised because Malcolm Brogdon was never brought up as a possibility to me before it happened um but that being said he fits the mold of what brad stevens has been looking for to a t he's a six foot five guy who can play some point guard he should give the celtics more playmaking and scoring i'm for now assuming he'll come off the bench just because i think the celtics will want to continue starting big just because i think they'll want to continue starting marcus smart but who knows? He could start too. But anyway, he's a complete player. He's big enough as a guard to fit into the Celtics' defensive identity. He's selfless enough to be a ball mover and all the things that they want. So he's 29, which fits into the core. And he, he can you know, be there for a while with Jason Tatum, with Jalen Brown, with Robert Williams, with Marcus Smart. And, you know, I, I think after the bench really got exposed during the finals, after what was, for the most part, a good run until the finals, they needed to get somebody who represented a talent upgrade. And Malcolm Brogdon counts as that. He's got an injury history, which we can talk about, and which is why he was available for basically no one in the Celtics rotation. Um, Daniel Tice was like halfway in the Celtics rotation, but you know, he's, if he can stay healthy, he's a big, big addition who will help them in the regular season, who will help them in the playoffs, who will help them for years to come. And so just kind of fits what Brad has been looking for very, very well. Yeah. The, the injury history is the major concern with Brogdon. Uh, over the past three years, he played 54 games, 56 games, and then 36 games uh, yeah, last and that, season. That's a little misleading because some of those seasons were shortened. That is a valid point that I was not considering. Yes, some of those were shortened, but the, I think it's the 36 games last year. He is coming off a kind of a, a larger injury, but it shows that the Celtics are really ready to win now because Malcolm Brogdon also makes... $22.5 million a year. Uh, Wick Grossbreck, willing to pay the tax. I think the Celtics are far into the tax, but you're right. A major upgrade uh, on the bench and a guy who can, you know, just go out there and get his own shot. Uh, 
I think when he like close to just averaging 20 points a game on his own on like not the most talented Indiana teams. Um, his, his versatility, I think is great. He's not solely just a point guard. Just, I know like the, this, the position stats on basketball reference aren't the best, but it look he really split time and has played with other point guards. He doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hand to be effective. It's just a huge addition uh, for the Celtics depth. And I think one of the things that it's also just insurance against uh, with that depth being that much better. The Celtics had a lot of injury luck, I think, towards the end of last season, uh, save for Robert Williams. But like they had that amazing run final three months of the regular season. And pretty much that's with all of their guys healthy. You just can't bank on that happening again. And so being able to have a guy who's ready to come in and start, uh, even if he does come off the bench, is just a huge, huge uh, addition for the Celtics, who are pretty much relying on, uh, I guess, Peyton Pritchard to be that backup ball handler uh, role, which I, I kind of, man, doesn't it suck for Peyton Pritchard every year? He just gets like a new guy comes in and, and is instantly slotted in front of him. Um, but I think for overall for the Celtics, it's just like a, a huge move that really it feels like all chips are in right now. And Brad... He doesn't care about first-round draft picks. His first year, first-round pick, trade for Al Horford. His next year, first-round pick, trades for Derek White. Boom, first-round pick, gives it up for Malcolm Brogdon. So uh, not not the hoarder of draft picks that Danny Ainge is, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to later in the podcast because he made a doozy of a trade today. But uh, I like how aggressive Brad has been in his early tenure as Celtics GM. Yeah, and I, I think... The, the possible downside of the Brogdon trade is that he is a bench player. He's owed, I think it's $67 million over the next three seasons. If he is unhealthy and he can't stay on the court, then that is a significant price to pay in dollars-wise for somebody who is not among the Celtics' very best players. And that's where it could go wrong. And that's where it's clear ownership has told Stevens, just go for it. Just go for it. Money is not an issue right now. This team made the finals. This team went, was, you know, maybe one player away from winning the finals. One bench player away. One Malcolm Brogdon away. Uh, so... I, I do think this this represents a, a commitment from ownership. I do think that's expected. They they made it clear to the Celtics after the season, go spend. Uh, they have not been taxpayers in the past. Like I think they've paid the tax once since the Kevin Garnett trade, and that was like three million dollars or something, if I'm not mistaken. So this is bucking the trend. This is them saying, okay, finally this is a championship team this is a team worth spending huge money for and i i believe the the tax bill as it stands right now would be something like 35 million dollars upwards of 30 million dollars which is significant uh the Celtics still have the tpe the 17.1 million dollar traded player exception i do not expect them to use that just because First of all, the tax bill is getting up there. Second of all, the roster is pretty full. Like they clearly need a backup big man now after moving Tice. They clearly need someone who can spell Robert Williams and Al Horford and be available and be okay when those guys are gone. And if they do use a TPE, I expect them to use it on a player like that. I was just scanning the the options and Jakob Pertle. Does Jakob Pertle do anything for you? I don't know what it would take to get the Spurs to dump him, but he's pretty good. He makes a little more than $9 million, and the Spurs are not trying to win basketball games. So Jakob Pertl would make some sense. I think it's more likely that they go after a, or that they get a veter, someone on a veteran's minimum to, to play that Tice role. And obviously that guy doesn't need to be great, but I do think you have to get somebody – capable because Robert Williams is going to miss time. Al Horford at age 36 is going to miss time. You don't want those guys playing a ton of minutes because you want them both fresh for the playoffs. Um, 
So that that's their only hole right now. Their only roster hole. Like other how, than that, how do we get into how do we get into Jakob Pertl talk when we haven't even brought up Danilo Gallinari? Because sometimes you just gotta throw Jakob Pertl out there just, <laughs> so, just just to get the people intrigued. Is the is the Danilo Gallinari deal official yet? I think I saw some some it's some it's not scuttlebutt he, about he, it. He hasn't cleared the waivers, but it's gonna happen. He has agreed. I, I think that's to a sign. two-year deal. With the Celtics, I, I honestly, I'm not sure whether it's one or two. I could not get full confirmation on that. Uh, Himmelsbach reported that it's two. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that it's one. Uh, Ooh, source off, source off. I'm going with Himmelsbach. And, and I, I did not get confirmation either way on that. Uh, I did get confirmation that he has agreed to join the Celtics once he clears waivers on the taxpayer mid-level exception and so free agent wise they'll only have veteran minimums to offer from now on but what are your thoughts on Gallinari I I like Gallinari it's just a guy another guy who can go and get buckets uh and it certainly adds to their depth uh of uh he's not someone who's like a a defensive stalwart and not necessarily someone I think you're going to rely on but We've seen him go off against the Celtics and just uh, he is just a natural shooter, a natural scorer. And um, I think he's going to give uh, them a lot in the regular season with just being part of the, the normal rotation. And I think he's the type of guy where you can play him 12 minutes in a playoff game and maybe maybe he gives you something. He's obviously not somebody you're going to rely on, but it felt like the Celtics went from having a bench of two guys to now they have a, a nine, maybe 10 man rotation I think that's going to be just incredibly important for them uh, as they make another hopefully long run uh, through the entire regular season in the playoffs. The thing that's interesting from a roster building perspective is that like it, it felt like after the finals, everyone was like, oh, we need some wing depth to 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 kind of spell Jason and Jalen. And while Brogdon is a tall person, I wouldn't necessarily describe him as a wing. And while Danilo Gallinari isn't, he's not a natural center. He's more of a power forward. Again, I wouldn't describe him as a wing. They've brought him a lot of depth, but it's not like uh, they're necessarily backups to Jalen and Jason. And and that makes sense because you're probably going to play Jalen and Jason, you know, 35, 40 minutes a game, uh, especially in the playoffs. And so... uh, the Celtics definitely have improved their depth and now, like I said, have more of a nine, 10 man rotation, which I think will be better for them. Um, and I think it's like a, a relatively low risk deal, just paying Gallo, uh, you know, $6 million a year. Is this kind of crazy how they went from um, really not, like not having guys nine through 15 on their bench be at all playable to now just having like a much more robust NBA roster? Yeah. The. And I, I don't know how, how much Gallinari will help the Celtics in the playoffs. He's going to be 34 by the time the season starts. He is His production has already started to taper off a bit. That said, he has been a phenomenal shooter at 6 with, t- six with 10 for a long time. He has been above 40% in three of the last four seasons. He's at 38-point-something percent for his career. Even last year, when he had a down year from behind the arc, he shot better than 38%. And he's 6'10", and he's huge. Like Every time I see that guy, I'm like, holy hell. <laughs> I forgot how big Gallinari was. Like, he is an enormous, bulky human being. He will be the, t- the biggest man in the Celtics rotation. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people have an appreciation for just how large that dude is. And on top of the outside shooting... He's also awesome at punishing mismatches in the post. And I think that's going to be a big deal for the Celtics. When the Warriors went to switching, Grant Williams couldn't do anything. Al Horford couldn't even do anything. Derek White couldn't do anything. Like, Gallinari kills guys on mismatches. He had the 32nd most post-ups in the entire league last season. 17% of his offense. wow came from post-ups last season and he was very efficient in that he was more efficient in the post than Jason Tatum 
So, like, I just think that's another weapon for them, another thing that they can turn to when things get bogged down. And on top of all the other stuff that Gallinari does for you offensively, he hardly ever turns the ball over. He and Malcolm Brogdon are both very low turnover guys, which if you watch the Celtics in the postseason, clearly matters. And, like, I think there's hope for the Celtics that Gallinari gets in great shape because he'll be excited about joining a possible contender. And there's hope that even though he's not a great defender, they just played Nemanja Bielica in the finals. And Nemanja Bielica held up defensively against them. And Gallinari's better than Nemanja Bielica, first of all. He's a much better offensive player. But defensively, they're similar in that they don't have great foot speed, but they're smart and they're huge. And if you don't attack them the right way, they can hold up pretty well. And I, I think that's the hope with Gallinari come to playoffs. But the hope is also probably that he won't need to play much in the postseason. He's probably the third. No, he's definitely, eh, I would say probably the third power forward in their rotation right now behind Al Horford and Grant Williams. When you were talking about wings, I think it's a, it's a little misleading to say they didn't really get any wings because Malcolm Brogdon can play one through three. Marcus Smart can play one through three. Derek White can play one through three. Like they're, they don't have huge wing size, but those guys can all play any of those positions. And I really believe that they think Sam Hauser can play minutes for them. And Sam Hauser will play small forward if he does. So maybe I'm crazy for actually believing the talk from the Celtics about Sam Hauser, but they seem high on that dude. And he's definitely a very good shooter. He would definitely give them an offensive boost just by his shooting alone uh and i do i do believe that even though they haven't gotten you know another six eight guy like hauser could fill that role for them just by developing um we should talk about the other wing that they they gave away in aaron neesmith it was shouts just... to our, our our guy richard d from south carolina uh who will now become a big fan of the whatever the Indiana Pacers podcast is, but uh, I, have no, I have no more comments like that. Yeah, giving up on Aaron Neesmith, who had uh, had some flashes with the Boston Celtics, but last year just like was felt like a huge struggle for him, and he never was able to get one. I think enough minutes, uh, enough of an opportunity, and hopefully for him, he gets like more of an opportunity just to play consistently in Indiana. Because he definitely had some flashes uh, and definitely is a high-energy player. But he never came in and was shot the ball consistently at, at the same level he did at Vanderbilt and like wasn't able to earn his way onto the court because of it. Yeah, and I I, I just feel like his confidence was really shattered. You, just talking to him after the season in his exit interview, he just seemed deflated by everything that happened over the past couple of years. He thought his shot had gone missing uh, and only in games. Like he's, he said it was fine during practices and stuff like that, but he said he needed a reset. I think it's possible he goes to Indiana and becomes a pretty good player. He's obviously super energetic. If he can knock down shots, then he he's a six, six or so athlete with, you know, clear physical tools. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he becomes a decent player in Indiana. That said, like the Celtics were able to get a clear upgrade over what they had without moving anyone in their rotation. That's and the wildest part. They added two solid NBA veteran players who can put the ball in the basket and really gave up no one from their rotation. And I think like it's pretty wild that they did both all that and only gave up one draft pick. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that's obviously a good thing, and, and that's what Brad Stevens wanted. He didn't want to disrupt what the Celtics built last season. He wanted to add to the identity, and I think he did that with both these guys. Obviously, Gallinari is a weak link defensively, but also gives them a different level of scoring and 
you know, at six foot ten, it's not like he's some tiny guard for teams to target. He's a big, big man for teams to target. And then Brogdon just fits in really well. He kind of gives you some of the stuff that Marcus Smart and Derek White do, um, but in a different package. And also, like, adding another one of those guys is a good thing. Those are two good players. <laughs> so Brad Stevens has a type. He He's now – one thing I think was important for the Celtics – that they prioritized was making sure that they can survive the regular season better and give Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown more rest. That means a smaller minutes load. That maybe means load management at some points. They wanted to build a deeper bench. So they didn't just have an eight and a half man rotation. So those guys wouldn't carry such a big burden. And and that's another place where the Brogdon and Gallinari additions should help. Those guys can handle significant minute loads. Brogdon played 30-ish minutes a game in Indiana, probably more than that most years. I don't know the exact number. Gallinari, even at 33 this past season, played 25 minutes a game in Atlanta. So th- those are guys that can soak up major minutes without killing you. And that's important. The Celtics didn't have guys like that. Their whole end of the bench after the trade deadline was guys that they would never put in a a real basketball game unless they absolutely had to. And so I I don't know how much of that, how much of it all season was Ime Udoka because clearly he just likes to settle on a rotation and stick with that rotation. But there's an organizational goal of, of expanding that rotation giving Tatum and Brown more times to sit because they think that huge minutes load that they played, especially Tatum, who played more minutes between the regular season and the playoffs than I believe anyone else in the last 10 years or so, they they need to get those guys more rest. They need them fresher, deeper in the playoffs. And they think they just ran out of steam against the Warriors, which is probably pretty fair considering the way the fourth quarters deep in that series went. The thing that's, I think, most interesting to me moving forward uh, with this Celtics team is you mentioned the minutes that Brogdon played over 30 a game when he's with the Pacers. Gallo, even coming off the bench, was 20, 25 minutes a game with the Hawks. Uh, As much as they're going to give uh, the Stars, the Jays, kind of an opportunity to rest, is are these guys willing to come in and accept what it's ultimately going to be a a smaller role. Um, And Gallo, I think like that's just natural because uh, that comes with age and he's been in the league for so long that like that kind of happens. Brogdon, he's been in the league for six years and is pretty much his last four years has been an established starter. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to coming off the bench. And I think in addition to guys kind of accepting their roles with these uh, acquisitions, and even without these acquisitions, I think if the Celtics stayed the exact same, there would be, and there are going to be, and there are lofty expectations for this team that they're going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, that they are going to contend for the finals, that they are going to be there. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they kind of respond to expectations because I think it's a lot easier to play uh, kind of free basketball, uh, unselfish basketball when you just don't have uh, as much pressure. But now I feel like there's there's championship or bust just given how much, like I said earlier, that like all the chips are in on the table. The owner's paying $35 million in taxes alone on the team. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics stars and these kind of new acquisitions respond to everyone expecting them to be uh, the first or second best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be disappointed if they don't use the traded player exception at this point? I like, I just don't even know what they need at this point. Like, I agree they need a backup big. I've seen some Thomas Bryant talk, former uh, Wizards center, but I think that was just for the veteran minimum. Um, it's, it'd be weird for them to spend, I think, like $9 million or up on a guy who was Seemingly, if you bring in a backup big right now, I I just don't know where the minutes go. Like how you you 
have to bring in a guy who's accepting, like, I'm going to get in like once every five games because there's just not a an established bench role right now for a, a backup center. Like, like Tice barely did not really play that often uh, when everyone was healthy. And so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if they don't use it. I think it's completely understandable. I think it's much more reasonable to just get a, a giant body with a, a like at the veteran minimum. See, I, I don't know if that's entirely fair because Tice played 19 minutes a game after the Celtics acquired him. He started six games. He he wasn't in the rotation every night, but with the amount that Robert Williams and Al Horford are going to miss, I think the third big is actually pretty important, who that is, and that it's not just some scrub, like random scrub who could really hurt you in those minutes. That's that would be bad. Now, if if they can get someone with the veterans minimum, uh, Thomas Bryant would be fine. They like you can usually get a big man for cheap. I'm trying to look at other possible free agents right Jakob now. Jakob Pertl's deal's expiring, and the, I love the Spurs just going full tank for Victor. Uh, fantastic stuff from them. Yeah, I I don't know what the Mavericks would want for Dwight Powell, but they just signed JaVale McGee to start at center. And so Dwight Powell could feasibly be available, but I'm not the one who would have to spend the 9 million plus all the luxury tax implications on top of that to acquire a third big man and 12th in the rotation or whatever it is. What if they just wait to the trade deadline and then reacquire Daniel Tice? What? There goes my whole um, trade deadline. Well, the the TPE is done in July 18th. Oh, yeah, the big Fournier one. They have a bunch of other ones, but they're much smaller, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, So, What about getting Bo Cruz? (laughs) Bo Cruz did just get waived. I know, he's available. Juancho Hernan Gomez. I do not think the Hernan Gomez... Era went well enough for the Celtics to try it again. Uh, my guess would be that the way it went, plus him taking shots at the Celtics afterward, probably not. Oh, that was in a foreign language interview. Those always get mistranslated. But yeah, I would I would be kind of surprised if we saw Juancho Hernan Gomez. I, I think you've talked me into like the backup big, especially with Horford, you can't expect him to be... Uh, I guess as healthy as he was and you want to be able like, I guess, rest him on back to back. So I do think it's important. I just don't necessarily, I wouldn't be like terribly upset if they didn't use the TPE. I feel like they added two sizable contributors off their bench. And um, I think they can kind of like figure out how to work with probably one big or, or get a guy at the minimum, but it's definitely something to, to look out for. Uh, You know, we're only what, 24 hours into the free agency, like a lot of things, a lot more things can happen uh, before the Celtics head into the next season. It's been a bit. The NBA never Bismack sleeps. Would Biombo tickle your Ooh, uh, he certainly would. He absolutely would. Uh, he's the perfect kind of old veteran. You could get him for a veteran minimum, right? Like, I don't even know these days with the NBA contracts, what, what the roles are. Yeah, bigs can be tricky to guess because... Like some of the guys that go for less money just aren't as are better than the ones that get more money. I feel like that happens every year, but maybe like Gorgie Dang. I've always been on the Dang train. Always been a Dang a Dangster. Yeah, th- there aren't like a ton of, a ton of difference making centers on the uh, free. Are those guys market. really upgrades over Luke Cornett? Yeah, Luke Cornett would be fine too. Um, I don't think he would be disastrous in those minutes. Like Luke Cornett is is totally fine. He can shoot threes, but not really make them at a high level. He protects the rim. He threw down some some loud alley oops toward the end of last season in garbage time. Um, but yeah, I I think if they had to give if they have to go with Cornett, like that's fine. But I also think. They should be looking for someone better if possible. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, before we get to the rest of the shenanigans around the league, let's go to the, the listeners and see what their reactions are to Trader Brad making moves. Alejandro P., come on down. How are you doing, Alejandro? You hear me? Yes, yes sir. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. good. Yeah. What um, about it? I'm like, so I like Malcolm Brown definitely, and I'm a little worried about the injuries, but... I definitely like the move. Like, obviously, like, if you're trading two guys who barely got in the rotation in the playoffs, at least. Now, Tice was pretty important in the regular season after Rob got hurt. But in the playoffs, they barely got in the rotation. So, we got – that was pretty good. And, and the first-round pick, I mean, Brad just hates picks. We know this at this point. So, um, you know that – I was going to say the universe sent me a sign that we're going to get Gallinari, and I missed it at first. Because I, I uh, oh, the universe sent you a sign. What, what happened? I went on a trip to Italy and I was in Milan and I saw him. Ooh, <laughs> he just appeared out of nowhere. He, he just dropped from the sky. sky. That was the most obvious <laughs> sign the universe has ever sent you, Hunter, and you just yeah. whiffed on it. Anyway, I what? Have, okay, so actual discussion. I have a couple of what, what if, if you had seen a shitty basketball, basketball player, player instead? instead? Well, what if you saw Vincent Poirier? What, what would have happened if you saw Yabu? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if they were, if I saw one of them, it probably meant they were going to my my team in the Puerto Rico league. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, what you got for us, man? Hey, I got two candidates. One for the TPE, and one wouldn't even need a TPE. One is Larry Nance. What do you think about Larry Nance? I, I, I think it would make sense, but the the, the Pelicans are obviously loading up for a playoff run, and, and I just don't know if Larry Nance will be available. Right, but, but, but I, I, I know the the Celtics have liked him for a while. They have been Larry Nance fans, so. And I was thinking, like, like because if they have Zion coming back, right, and they already have Jackson Hayes, they got um, who else they got? Jonas Valanciunas. Alejandro, you're breaking up, so I'm going to have to let you go. But uh, we're going to try and let you go. Oh, the athletic oh, app right. after the upgrade. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're like, I thought Larry Nance was pretty good for the Pelicans. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily going to let him go. Um, the one thing that's interesting about that is like, uh, the one thing that the Alejandro's call brought to mind, other than the sign from the universe, I do like any time we can get, if any caller wants to tell us about a time the universe talked to them, um, please, uh, go for it. But the thing that was interesting to me was, is just how I feel like late first round draft picks just don't have any value anymore. Or not any value, but if like our, our diminished value, maybe that's just Brad Stevens' approach to it. But you're also just seeing the number of picks that are going I mean, for the Celtics. DeJounte Robert, the Celtics have Robert Williams and Grant Williams in their rotation. So 
Oh, you mean? Yeah, but think about how many. T- like that's that's because they hit on that. But like, how many? If you just look at like the past five drafts, uh, how many guys in the twenty range are have really like made contributions? I think the Celtics deserve credit for kind of selecting those guys, but I just think there's like a, a much greater willingness of teams who think they're going to be in the playoffs to part with first round picks. Um, just because you never know what you're going to get, might as well actually, you know, get someone who's a proven NBA talent for that rather than, than gambling on whatever the draft can be. Yeah. It depends what, what place your organization is in, I guess, because if you're the thunder, you want to hoard them bitches. You want to keep as many of them things as you can get. If you're the Jazz looking to trade Rudy Gobert, you want as many first-round picks as you can get. But if you're the Celtics, the uh, a first-round pick, like it would be hard to develop and eventually get into the Celtics rotation. This Celtics rotation is deep, and they need they want to win right now. So yes, they're interested in moving guys clearly for for help right now. That's three straight years. Stevens has moved it. He's gotten Al Horford. He's gotten Derek White. And he's gotten Malcolm Brogdon. Three guys who are big pieces. I'm assuming Brogdon will be a big piece. He projects to be a big piece of what the Celtics do. So, yeah. I, I just think it depends what where you are in the organizational arc. But, Yeah. Brad Stevens has has been aggressive with his first round picks, but he's also kept his his future first round picks, and he hasn't gone crazy with like a big many first round picks in the same trade type of deal yet. We'll see if he ever gets there. Um, but you know, if they still have that in their in their back pocket for a later date, because they still have a bunch of future firsts beyond 2023 all right let's go to tony b tony how are you doing how are you doing today guys great show again thank, thank you. you great show again thank, thank you, you my man. Man. so i was going to ask you a couple of things here um with malcolm brockton now coming to the celtics i remember when he played for the bucks i remember they had to really manage his minutes because obviously he came to the nba with foot problems you see the Celtics also trying to do the same thing to make sure that he would be ready for the playoffs. And then secondly, now that uh, the Brooklyn Nets have totally been blown up by Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, what are you? What, what's your top five for the pecking order of the powers of the East now with the Celtics? And how would you? Where would you put them at the top, or where you put the other, or at least the top four? You would say in the East now that the Brooklyn Nets have totally exploded for everybody to see. Two good questions here. The the Brogdon thing. I don't think they're going to have to like go out of their way to limit his minutes. I think just because of their depth, just because of where he will place on their roster, he won't play as many minutes as he has in the past. He's not going to be like a 35-minute guy. He's not going to play 34 minutes like he did during the 36 games he played this past season. He's probably going to be in the 20s and – He'll he'll need to deal with that limited role. I don't think it will be it's ideal for him at at 29, theoretically moving into his prime to be going into a smaller role. But he's also established, and this is a guy the Celtics have looked at. I heard after shortly after he was drafted from the Celtics that they were super high on him, his character, his work ethic everything besides the basketball part of it so they've always been high on him as a person on top of the basketball stuff so I think that gives them you know peace of mind that he'll come into Boston and be cool with losing some minutes losing some touches losing some shots but yeah I don't think that's a huge concern all right Jay King has had to leave the call for uh, journalistic duties a hot source is calling him, and so we will take calls from the fans out there. Sorry for that technical difficulties, but you know what? Jay King, he's a journalist, folks, and uh, the job calls when he needs 
John S. Come, come on down. down. I hope this is not technical, technical difficulties for everyone. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yourself? Doing well. Doing well. All right. Well, unfortunately, you guys are a little too good at your job and have answered the majority of the questions I was going to ask. So improvise, my man. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and ask the question that everybody wants to know. Where do you think KD is going? And that's it. Uh, I appreciate the question. Um, when the news first came out that KD wanted out of Brooklyn and that his two spots were Phoenix and the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat really made me upset. Just the idea of Pat Riley, that fake Italian guy, coming in, swooping in and getting Kevin Durant. You know what made me mad online? It made me furious. George made me upset. And so my like my initial reaction is like I think like they'll go to the he might go to the Heat. I just don't know. I feel like like a lot of the deals for KD. Uh, if you listen to all the other basketball podcasts, there's not like immediate ones that make sense for his like list of preferred destinations. I would also be mad online if he went to the Toronto Raptors, which is also see, uh, something I've seen floated out there. I just want him to go somewhere in the Western Conference because. Uh, He's quite a uh, talented basketball player, but my first inclination is that he ends up in the heat and that's just uh, that I would not enjoy that because uh, they play in the Eastern Conference. But really, I have no idea at this point. NBA free agency is insane. Like 48 hours ago, none of this was happening. And all of a sudden, we have so much player movement. Rudy Gobert just got traded for five first round picks, uh, basically. That's insane. That's banana lands. And so that's why this offseason never ends. I think some people like the, the free agency period more than the actual season. Uh, but I have no idea where Katie ends up. I also have no idea where Kyrie ends up. It'd be fascinating if he kind of finds a way to get uh, to the Lakers without involve them getting rid of Russ, which would be very funny. I don't know which team is willing to trade for Russ and then buy him out. Uh, I just know I'm going to be glued to my phone for all of 4th of July weekend, uh, and my girlfriend will not be pleased about it. Let's go to June L. June, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Long time no talk, man. I know. You're the first celebrity caller, and now you're, you're back. How, have you, how, is, how are things in L.A.? Uh, things in L.A. are great, man. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I mean, on the topic of KD... Like, I mean, let's talk, let's talk Celtics and KD, right? Um, I know, I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but a lot of talk about, you know, tr uh, Brad is, you know, trading all these picks because he wants to win now, right? Like there's no other, there's no bigger win now move than getting KD. And especially um, with them getting, you know, another guard, which means, you know, at least one guard, you know, you can afford to add in a trade and, you know, the three guards we have all make, you know, like seven over 17 million. And then obviously the piece that needs to go out that everybody doesn't want to give up is Jalen, right? Like, so Jalen and Derek White makes, makes the numbers work. And then you add, you know, the draft equity that needs to go out. Um, like I, I mean, take emotions out of it. Like, I mean, you, you got to think about that, right? Like, what do you think? Uh, it's an interesting question. I like it. One, it's hard to take emotions out of it. And I appreciate the question, June. Um, like my first thing is like, we just got so close to winning the NBA finals. It's like, I, I'd rather not blow it up. Um, I just think the Celtics are a very talented roster and it's like, it just feels better when you go get there with the, the guys who you drafted I just don't think the Celtics, like, they were so close and then they just made two major upgrades uh, to their bench. And it, like, feels like they're they're right there to be able to uh, get over the hump and get to the finals. The other thing that's interesting about, to me, to, about the KD situation is he's making this trade request with four years left on his deal. I know that is supposedly the Nets have all the leverage in the world in that scenario uh apparently to, to like to make whatever trade they want but what happens if you trade for KD and he doesn't really like it here in Boston or like doesn't really like it uh at whatever team he ends up at like is he just willing to give up another like or make another trade request i just don't think it's worth uh kind of 
just changing everything that you do, everything that got you uh, uh, to the NBA Finals just in pursuit of Kevin Durant. That might be crazy talk. I know talent wins, but I think that the Celtics just, they have to keep going with what got them there. Uh, and that's this core. Uh, and then, you know, see what the additions of Malcolm Brogdon and Daniel Gallinari got you. Right now, we will go to Joshua B. Hopefully, he's ready with the phone this time. Joshua B., how are you doing? Hear me this time. Yes, yes sir. sir. All right. First off, you're massively underselling this move. It's one of two things, and you get to pick which one it is. Either All A, right. you, either A it's, the, it's the playmaking point guard who can pass, who can dish, that is big and that is better than Marcus Smart when he's healthy, that all the Celtics fans were clamoring for after the finals. We need more playmaking. We need more shooting. And we are pushing the defensive player of the year to the bench. That's option A. Here's option B. It doesn't mess at all with our starting lineup, which just happened to finish first in defensive efficiency. Was it close? Was it like near to the Golden State Warriors? No, it was by 10 points a game, and you have a former All-Star coming off the bench. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. And you get to pick which one you want to believe in. But either way that you want to believe in, we gave up. Okay, everybody's worried about Malcolm Brogdon and his health and, like, you know, how many games he's going to play. You know, he only played 58 games. Our people that we traded up, that we traded for him, you know, the Aaron Neesmiths of the world and, and the Daniel Tice, they didn't play 58 minutes in the finals. Minutes, not games, minutes total. They didn't combine for more than 58 minutes. And we're worried about games played. We're worried about whether he can stay healthy playing 15 minutes, 20 minutes a game. It's nonsense. To add Gallo on top of it as our third as our third wing, as the guy who's going to give Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum a score at like a little bit of a break during the um, during the regular season, that's an even more nonsensical move. And then finally, well, actually, there's two more points. If you're looking for people for the Celtics to add for their for their TPE, Jonas Valanciunas would be wonderful. He'd be great. Um, so would um, fuck, what's his name? The guy in the Jakob Pertle would also be great. Just to spell um, Al Horford, but you don't even need to go that deep. I seem to believe that Marquise Morris is available, right? If you oh, you know. don't. <laughs> For a power forward, you know, go get Thomas Bryant. Go get Marquis Force because what are you really asking them to do? You're not asking them to play in the playoffs. You know who you're going with. You're going with Al Horford. You're going with Robert Woods. You know what you're doing. The reason that you're asking for, for them, the reason you need their services, is for the regular season to give them the breaks, to give them the time off. And then finally, and this one especially for Jay King, so when he listens on playback, he used to do this. Huh. He used to do this. He used to do this impression of Tom Thibodeau where he was like, you know, we got Kevin Knox, bitch, right? And he needs to do that impression with the Celtics' small ball lineup. Because the bottom line of this particular small ball lineup is that our small ball lineup is Peyton, we were really worried about our scoring, about our playmaking. Peyton Pritchard, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Danilo Gallinari, and Malcolm Brogdon, who's the playmaker? They're all the playmaker. Who's the shooter? They're all the shooter. That is incredible. You're looking for lineup of death. You're looking to play centers off the floor. Put that lineup on the floor. There's my take. Underselling of the year, man. Amazing move. <laughs> we have Aaron Neesmith. We have Aaron Neesmith. Who are you deeply scared of? Daniel Tyson's going to come back and bite us? It's serious. Oh, and by the way, one other thing while we're on the topic. The Golden State Warriors, they lost Gary Payton II. They lost Otto Porter Jr. And, I, and great for them. By the way, great for them to add Patrick Baldwin Jr. You get real excited about that. I'll take my chances with Malcolm Brogdon. Now I'm done. Oh, that's that was fantastic stuff, Joshua B. That's that is a quintessential Joshua B. moment. I he's right. You should be excited about this Celtics trade. Malcolm Brogdon is a very talented player. He's a starter, starting caliber player who will now be on the bench. Uh, coming off the bench for the Celtics, he is very good. I think Joshua B said that he was an all-star. Uh, that is not the case. I don't think he's that uh, caliber of a player. But yes, he is very good. There is a concern about his health. Just because he's playing less minutes, he is coming off a Achilles injury. He's not necessarily uh, going to be uh, 100% health just by be playing less minutes. But 
I agree. I think it's a, a, a big win for the Celtics. He seems to fit in seamlessly. He's instantly kind of like a, a guy who can handle the ball. He can play off the ball. He's one of the better slashers in the game. I think he will play. He's going to uh, have to learn how to, like, I think, his usage rate's around 25%. So I think that will presumably go down just with the number of talented players he's going to be playing with in Boston. But I agree, Joshua. It was a, it's a very good move. I think the Gallo Nari signs a very good move. I think you have to be excited if you're a Celtics fan because they have not changed their core and they've added two very talented players to their roster. And uh, it's not our money we have to pay the tax with. Uh, I think that's like the long-term concern, I guess, from a roster construction perspective is that if you he, uh, Brogdon is hurt, you're paying him $20 million uh, over the next three years, and that could end up with a very sizable tax bill. But that's not our problem, so let's not worry about it. All right, uh, Akwasi, A, is the, I hope I said that right. How are you doing? Doing well. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, first off, I really, really enjoy your, your, your podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening to me. Um, I was wondering, like, are there any concerns about the defensive structure now? Like, are they a little bit thinner at, at center? What do you all think is going to be the starting lineup? Do you think that Malcolm Brogdon will be in the starting lineup or do you think it'll be, um, like you said, he's coming off the bench. The starting lineup remains the same. If that's true, who are the backup? Uh, who who is the backup center? Uh, I think it's a good question, and I appreciate the question. Um, one of the things, like you, there is a little bit of, I guess, concern about. I don't think the defense is going to necessarily take a, a huge hit. It's not like a really even a hit at all. Daniel Tice. Uh, was a serviceable defensive big, but it's not like he was the the uh, main man. reason. Oh, the kid is back from learning all sorts of uh, news from his uh, sources. We just got a question about how do you think Brogdon affects the the starting lineup, and if the defense takes any bit of a hit uh, losing Tice, if like because you've talked about how they they've lost someone, uh, they just lost a big in their rotation, and they're going to need someone to spell. Um, Robert Williams or Al Horford. I think it's interesting. I don't know about the starting lineup, but you said earlier that you think they'll still probably go double big just because that was so effective. Um, but I do think they now have the flexibility where they could go just a single big and the, uh, just because that they have White and Brogdon now, maybe start Brogdon, move uh, Marcus Smart to the two. And then you maybe have less less of a concern about your your depth issues if you only have to play one like traditional five at a time. Yeah, I, I that could be possible, but also Robert Williams and Al Horford are two of your better players. And at some point limiting their minutes is bad. Like Horford was really, really good for the Celtics this past season. The two big combo was really, really good. That combo was charged the Celtics defense playing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the two and three charged the Celtics defense. It's a formula that works. So I don't know how, how often the Celtics will go away from that. Uh, if they will go away from that, but Malcolm Brogdon is really good. So if, if he is healthy, then th he could at least be a threat to start. What would be how I would put it. Yeah, and I think it's something that you you would hopefully experiment with and just try different things based on matchups. They like they started that lineup. Uh, I think one is their best five players towards the end of the year, but they didn't really have many other options. I think we saw Derek White start in the playoffs when Marcus Smart was hurt, but it's not like you were going into the game and like riding with like it, there wasn't a clear. There was clearly the five players who were the best, and you're clearly going to play them the most. Here, it's like a just adding the talent of of Brogdon, I think you could like, and we'll see how he fits in with the the Celtics. But you could make an argument he might have uh, inserted himself in the top five, and something that they can definitely play with uh, as they go into the regular season and kind of start out for most of the year. Um, we covered a lot of Celtics stuff, uh, Jay. We got some questions about what you think happens. Be be before to the we go into the questions, I just want to say Danilo Gallinari's contract has a player option in the second year. So it will be a two-year oh, It does have a player oh. option uh, 
I just I didn't know that earlier. Now I know it. So I just want to to put that a up. live look at journalism at play. Jay King leaves to talk to a, a, a source, perhaps, and he comes back with information. I like it. I love to hear that. We're also seeing B Rob reporting that the pick sent to the Pacers is top twelve protected. So if the Celtics have a disastrous year uh, and end up with a top twelve pick, uh, they will not convey it to the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, chances right, we are gotta... that protection will not matter at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's unless things it's go like, so wrong. I guess it's just like an insurance policy, but yeah, the Celtics should have uh, have full should fully expect that pick to convey. We got a question about what you we think KD what's going to happen with the KD situation. I responded by saying I have no idea. I just don't want him to go to the Miami Heat. I just saw a tweet that. KD only wants to go to the Heat if Bam Adebayo is on the team, which then makes the kind of the trades the Nets could get back uh, a whole lot more complicated. But where the hell do you think KD ends up next year? It could be anywhere, uh, anywhere with great players. The the we just saw Rudy Gobert get traded for four first rounders and this year's first round pick from the Timberwolves. So what the hell is Kevin Durant going to go for? That that's what's crazy about he and he has four years left on his contract. This is not some superstar near the end of his deal who's going to be a flight risk. He might be a flight risk just because he, he has soured on the last fr- two franchises that he's played for before the end of his deal. But like this is a guy with tons of years on his contract. Even though he wasn't great against the Celtics in the playoffs, he had an MVP caliber season when healthy last last year, and. Like the bidding war for him could be so fierce. I could Anthony Davis be on the table? I think that's possible. Like, w- would you trade Anthony Davis for Kevin Durant? Because I would. Yes, <laughs> I would. <laughs> yeah. So, so I I think the the possible packages for that guy are just enormous, and it depends what the Nets want. But they clearly are going to have to value actual players because they don't have their own first-round pick for many years to come. And they've kind of pushed themselves into this corner by sending all their first-round picks away for James Harden, who barely played for them before before taking off. Uh, And so they are in a situation where they need good players. Could the Celtics get involved in the conversations? They could. I don't. I frankly don't know if Jalen Brown and other pieces would be enough. Um, they are definitely deep enough now where they could add other pieces on top of Jalen Brown. Like if if they traded Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and I don't know what else, like three first round picks, they would still have a ton of depth on top of Kevin Durant. Um, but you, they also have a, a core that they're really interested in building. So I don't think it's a super easy conversation for Boston to have, but it's Kevin Durant. You have to have the conversation in the front office. How much should we risk to go after this guy? What is the, what, what would be the most we'd be willing to give up? And for me, it would be a lot just because Kevin Durant is so much better than the second best player on the Celtics. And I just think for me, the championship window is now. That's the guy who could help you win championships right now. I, I would have a lot of reservations um, about his age, about the way the last couple of stops have gone for him in Golden State and then in Brooklyn. Uh, I would have I would have real questions, but it's Kevin Durant. And so if it were me, I'd be going after him. But again, I don't know if they can even build the best package because of all the players who could be available for Kevin Durant. And also, if they don't feel like going all in for Kevin Durant, I think that's an understandable stance too because they just reached the finals. They're going to be better next season. And they have a young core that could be a factor for a long, long time to come. So. I, I see all, all all directions, but to me, it's just Kevin Durant. 
Yeah, it's it. It's KD, so you have you have the conversation. I think my concern is like, what happens if KD comes and then it's just like doesn't work, and then he requests another trade, and you're just like, oh man, I wish we didn't give up Jalen Brown and all that other stuff. The thing is, is crazy. It's like if Rudy Gobert is going to get you three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps. I guess they also gave up like Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly. Like, what does is Kevin Durant like automatically like four unprotected first round picks? Or is it like you have to trade away like two all-stars plus picks? Like, I have no idea what the market's gonna be, or even what team is like truly out there to be able to give up the like legitimate value for KD. That Rudy Gobert trade, uh Danny Ainge got a haul and a half for Rudy Gobert. And I just like I have no idea if Gobert and Towns will work together, but um, I just I was I was just dumbfounded by that deal. Yeah, that was. I just don't understand how Towns and Gobert could possibly work together. How how on earth are those guys going to stay in front of the best teams players in the playoffs? It just there's no chance. Neither of them can do it. Never mind both of them. Carl Towns, last year, he had a great year. He's really good. He's a extremely talented offensive player. He cannot stay in front of anyone on the perimeter. Now they're going to play him at four? He could not post up Dylan Brooks in the playoff last season. Now they're going to play him at four? Like, what? What do they expect to get out of that? I just don't understand giving up everything you have in your war chest to go after a guy who plays the same position as your best player and thinking it will work just because they're both really good at basketball. Like fit has nothing to do with the game of basketball. Hey, that trade hey, to me well, for the Timberwolves was insane. Just insane. I think they're so stupid. But who knows? Maybe maybe starting two centers is the way to go in the year 2022 when we've all seen that centers are not the most important players in basketball, especially in the games that matter. Well, if you have a one seven-footer who is really good at offense and then another seven-footer at really good at defense, why not mash them together and you have one perfect seven-footer in the bodies of two people? Now that's just that's just thinking with your noggin right there. That's a, that's a galaxy brain move there. I just don't see how it works out uh, but I'm like thrilled to see it happen. Danny Ainge is making all sorts of moves. He got Royce O'Neal. He got a first round pick for Royce O'Neal. Uh, Donovan Mitchell must be fist pumping all day and celebrating today because he no longer has to play with Rudy Gobert. Uh, Although they also got rid of all of Donovan's best friends. <laughs> who, who is that? Eric Pascal. I I think they were friends like growing up. Uh, <laughs> and then. There were a couple other guys that were apparently pretty tight with Donovan Mitchell that they moved on from, outside of Rudy, of course, who he was clearly not close with. But yeah, they they just decided to to move all his good friends, which is kind of what Danny Ainge did with the Celtics with Jason Tatum. He's like Javante Green is your your best friend here. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. We're dumping that dude. Salary Danny though. Ainge has a formula. He's just it's uh, a get as many assets as possible and then try to get another star eventually. And he, he's put his plan into motion in Utah. It's going to be fascinating to see what works. Brad Stevens, totally different plan. He just gives up all the assets in the world. He wants real, tangible players. You can't coach up a draft pick. You can coach up someone like Malcolm Brogdon. So Celtics making big moves today. Uh, trading for Malcolm Brogdon, uh, signing Danilo Gallinari, and Jay, I have a question for you. Uh, is bringing Luke Cornett back on a two-year deal, is that potable? I guess we'll see. It is. Chris Hayne is reporting that he signed a two-year deal to return to the Boston Celtics. Oh. So that means anything is potable! 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.